1: To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile for more details.
2: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got Tons of other multi care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I need support staff to, to clear the room. Stand up and walk now
1: hello and welcome to the watch my name is chris ryan i am an editor at the ringer.com and joining me on the other line with his hand on the dial of destiny it's andy greenwald
0: oh oh like like levels to it what you know if the what? dials of destiny was actually at like village recorders you know what i mean
1: oh yeah and it's, right
0: it's the jack antonoff uh documentary
1: only Steve Albini has that at Electric Audio. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? The, the, go, go back to the old ways. Andy, it's great to see you. It's Thursday on a gloomy day in Los Angeles, but it's not gloomy in the world of entertainment. Nothing but sunshine, nothing but takes, nothing but culture here. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Okay. I have an Indiana Jones trailer for you to discuss. Yeah, I have uh, some other Star wars adjacent announcements to make. Oh. Not personally you, breaking this news, but pers- just... To- <laughs> just to... Wow. I, I'm relaying these, uh, these pieces of info that I got from Bob Iger. If we have time, I have a, a, yeah. a, a note. I wanted to ask you about a new movie studio or new movie production model that is being trotted out by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And then we were going to chat a little bit about the first couple of episodes of 1899 and the most recent episodes of Fleischman is in trouble. And let me tell you, folks, he's still in trouble.
0: Guys, you got to <laughs> trust it. When people tell you who they are, and when shows tell you what they're called, believe them.
1: You know, I, uh, I'm i cheating a little bit because I already sent this to you, but I want to see a new energy from you this year. This year meaning uh-huh. like going into 2023. And it is okay. the energy of Boston Celtics head coach Joe Mazzula <laughs> when he was asked in a press conference, I think yesterday, how it felt to have the royal family in attendance at a Boston Celtics game. And Joe Mazzulla blinked once in about 45 seconds and said Jesus Mary and Joseph that's the only royal family I know and they were like no the prince and princess of wales
0: no isolate the audio of the reporter <laughs> who gives 40 seconds of the most uncomfortable <laughs> laugh yeah that Celtics coach Joe Missoula <laughs> wants no part of yeah <laughs> it's an incredible piece of video that I've been thinking about ever since you sent it to me I have never once Reacted in that way, or believed anything as fervently as he believed in his response to that. I want
1: you to start. I want when I'm like Andy. What do you think of yeah. family dynamics on uh, Fleischman is in trouble? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph's family dynamics, because those are the only ones I acknowledge.
0: My main concern, I want to be clear, is not Celtics coach Joe Missoula's religious passion, which I do not question or doubt. I don't think he knows what royal means. <laughs> I no okay well I guess Jesus was the king of the Hebrews yeah right okay so there's some royalty involved it's, it's wasn't just, he the king of kings I, you tell me half of you tell me I don't know okay I don't read that testament I just I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna it's, do it's some incredible. research I'm
1: gonna do my own research and then we'll figure it out
0: so you want me to stonewall you can I do one one other note not related to Boston Celtics head coach Joe Mazzulla you you know you guys know like I'm a real I'm a big feedback guy. You know, podcasting, not a one-way street. It's just, it's just a marketplace of ideas and, you know, things could fly back and forth. So I, I'm 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 here for you reply guys. And I did see one mention. Someone, be, someone dinging my Strange World take. By the way, we have given more airtime to this movie than the audiences of America did. In the Walt so, Disney
1: Corporation? Yeah. yeah
0: you're <laughs> welcome, Bob Iger. Yet again. But someone was like, You guys are wrong. Sorry, you guy, Andy, is wrong. Chris has no part of this. Chris was busy watching the Miyazaki movie he agreed to see at this moment. Because the reason it tanked is because you might not know this, but the children of America are sick at record numbers. And I just want to stop you there. Hold my Robitussin, okay? Do you understand that I have been living in season one ER for the last 30 days? Like, I know. You know what I mean? Like those letters in the Civil War documentary where they're like, my dearest Edwina, no one will know of the troubles we have seen or the arms that have been removed. Oh Imagine yeah, when a show farewell place yeah. <laughs> but someone come up to the person writing the letter and be like, did you ever stop to consider the gunfire? Like, I was made in the gunfire, okay? This is true. There is a wild kid pandemic happening right now that you might even hear a little echo of in my voice. But I don't think that's why Strange World failed. I don't.
1: Uh, if you're going to mention the reply, guys, can I also just say thank you to people who were hitting us up about us being part of their Spotify Wrapped this year? Oh, yeah. I thought that was really sweet. Thank you, as always, to people uh, for listening to us. You know, I think thank we you probably to make this for, podcast for each other's yeah. entertainment, but we certainly appreciate everybody listening and engaging with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just always, so, it's so cool always to see us, to see, see the little blue logo there with everybody else.
0: Yeah, except the people who listen to the big picture a little bit more. Not like over. It. Mail? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Um, it is. It is very nice. Thank you.
1: Should we do? Let's talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, yeah. which had, I think, a, a surprise uh, trailer release today. It was at like a Brazilian convention of. Disney or, or it was it was like I was not prepared it was for
0: this Brazil Comic-Con which is where I drop all of my news including my retirement from the watch <laughs> effective immediately I'm joining coach Missoula's staff
1: <laughs> you're joining the royal family
0: yeah
1: of JM and J uh yep. anyway look man uh there's another Indiana Jones movie it's the fifth one uh it follows up it's like almost like probably a decade or so ago it was uh, Crystal Skull Crystal Skull and this one's directed by James Mangold, who I have a lot of time for, directed Copland, directed Logan. Um, he takes over for Steven Spielberg, which is still a strange thing to say because you would just associate Indiana Jones with like Spielberg. Like I would, I would not assume that we would ever have seen a non-Spielberg Indiana Jones movie in our lifetimes, or specifically in his. Uh, it's called Indiana Jones and the Dial Destiny. I think that's a little bit of a mouthful. So based on this trailer, I'm going with you. You can either choose to call it Indiana Jones Colin Maverick mm. or The Irishman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. They are using de-aging in this movie to, I think, do flashbacks to different parts of Indy's life. But also, uh, I thought that this trailer had Top Gun Maverick notes in terms mm. of uh, kind of a summation of both a life of a fictional character, but also a a summation of the gift that Harrison Ford has given movie audiences over the last I don't know 50, 60 years now at this point. So uh what was your take on the on the
0: trailer? Well, I, I I think there's a lot to like about it. I think the two main things to like are when something is taken over by fans of the thing, it can go any number of ways, and you can't judge it from a trailer. But Mangold obviously is a disciple of Spielberg. He's he's older than us, but grew up with these movies. They influenced him. It seems to get the aesthetic details right, you know. Even just the sort of like the the buttery torchlight, like it just it looks like an Indiana Jones movie, which matters. It sounds and feels like an Indiana Jones movie, which matters. Um, thing number two is Phoebe Waller Bridge. Of all of the guests who have appeared on the Watch podcast, that I would like to be the de facto number two in an Indiana Jones sequel, I think she's my pick. And it's <laughs> I see Chris. This is an audio, but he's thinking about it.
1: I'm thinking about it. Watch guests that I would like to see. Right. I mean, Rizzo would be pretty good.
0: Rizzo would be good. Gail Simmons would be good.
1: Gail Simmons would be good. Yeah.
0: Okay. We will. We we will we, we, we'll circle back to this. Okay. Just that she is so uniquely great, and brings something that is so specific. And I, I love the idea of her having a platform like this. You know, it, it's an interestingly put together movie because we again we don't know the plot. It's about Crystal aliens. Skull. Oh, so we know the plot.
1: Yeah, it's set in the Well, no, 60s. I'm just
0: saying that like Crystal Skull was can we was really bad, right? Like we all can we say that is that officially in the record? Yeah. And, and it was also so transparently like. He will have a son, and the son will take over, and then we will cast Shia LaBeouf as the son, and we'll never speak about this again. This feels a little bit freed of that. I mean, who knows what Phoebe's character what the relationship may be. I think they say goddaughter or something at some point. But it seems pretty slim, right? It's it's him, it's her, it's John Reese Davies, just just who is, by the way, who I knew was alive <laughs> and was just Excited to welcome back one of your favorite franchise. members of the
1: royal family,
0: John. A hundred percent, and watch MVP Boyd Holbrook, who I can't is just it. just great in everything. Particularly the only people, to be the only person
1: role. who loves Boyd Holbrook as much as I do is James Mangold, because he real. also has him in, in Logan. Yeah,
0: but it just feels like I don't know. There's just a momentum to this that feels like okay, maybe we had a reason to do this. I so I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. I had a question for you. As a, you know, we, we run a two-man game on these streets of Hollywood. You know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm chatting it up in the suites, but you're in the streets. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, you're out in front of the Chinese theater just taking the pulse of America, getting stuck in cement. Does Harrison Ford have a like a, like a tax bill come due? Because the vibe of Harrison Ford for a long time, right? Like, post- random hearts, like post I'm that guy, was that he was fine. That he never necessarily wanted to be an actor. He was a carpenter. And now he didn't have to do this anymore. He was just going to fly his little planes and occasionally land his little planes. And that was it, right? And then the idea of him coming back as Han Solo felt like a will he do it? You know, he's kind of grumpy, but he did it. And then all of a sudden he's in this Yellowstone prequel that we talked about last week. He's in. He, he did a, a, another indie movie. And he's the co-star of Jason Segel's new comedy for Apple. Yeah, shrinking. It, did Callista was Callista like, you got to get a hobby? You have to that's, ask that's yourself landlocked? whether
1: or not there is long-term liability from crashing your airplane into a golf course. Yes. And I First don't of all, know that we've really gotten to the bottom of that. But let me like pop the balloon here a little bit for you. He's been doing this for a minute. I mean, starting with coming back for Force Awakens, coming back for Blade Runner, coming back for Indy. Oh, yeah, Blade Runner. I kind of feel like this is a half-decade-long victory lap for him to some extent. And you know what? I can't blame him. I mean, it's not like... I think that dude has been relatively discerning over the course of his career to not do shit, which is why I have some trust that that this will be good i think i think he had no reason to make another one although i will say that i i wonder whether or not a lot of these projects going forward especially after top gun maverick but just in general where you might make a successful franchise and then you must 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 make the capstone you know like Mm -hmm. they will always make the let's do it one more time a greatest hits montage a, send this ca- character and this star off right you know and then of course they can break the seal and just go back just the same way Hugh Jackman's going back to play Wolverine again with Deadpool and whatever like I just but I I do wonder whether or not it's going to be more and more common to see these kinds of almost like reunion tours for bands where it's like we're gonna play the greatest hits one more time really soak it up if you're in Philadelphia if you're in Kansas City here's your last chance to see this band and then and then this is what it's going to be but I I trust in Harrison Ford. I just don't, don't, don't trust him to fly me anywhere, but I do trust him to make stuff.
0: I, I was going to ask this question, and I think it may be a little bit answered by the fact that you know a Banta tank or whatever fell on his leg when he was making the last Star Wars movie and he broke his leg, right? Yeah, like he's,
1: he, he's like a sneaky Tom Cruise award for dying while doing the movie. Like yes, Harrison Ford
0: but he breaks his legs a lot. But what I was going to say, he does. But what I was going to say was I wondered if it's gotten easier. Meaning the way movies are made now. Oh, which yeah, is where it's just prim- all digitized? Yeah. Yes. So the demands on him... I mean, he's an 80-year-old man. The demands on him are the demands on him. I'm not... You know, but again, we, we're loyal subjects of our... I believe our k- president, King, who is also 80 <laughs> years old. He's <laughs> the funny. only royal family I recognize <laughs> is Joey, Hunter, Jill, Hunter again. All the kings. Oh, yeah. Um, No, but like, I did it get easier? Like, we will make we're not making this movie without you. So you will come to this set and here's how many hours you'll work and it'll be in front of the screen and then we can digitize X, Y, and Z thing. Like in the same way that with a lot of legacy touring acts, I think you would ask them considering the way they used to tour in the 70s, what it's like now, where you get on a luxury private plane and you fly to a city for five days and you go on stage with your band, but there's a secret second band behind there's the like screen. There's like the real band the in the shadows.
1: Yeah. It's like, and now our touring musicians.
0: <laughs> Wadi Wattel is actually playing all the music. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know. It's just a question to ask.
1: Well, we'll get to the bottom of it. I can't think of two better guys to do this job is to get to the bottom of whether or not Harrison Ford. <laughs> is fucking are you giving enough effort here harrison
0: we're just let you know i brought the calipers can i just check the bone density of your legs like it's just it's yeah. just a question we're just asking the questions
1: real quick i wanted to uh just say mandalorian is coming back uh march 1st oh. which is cl- sooner than it sounds and i for one I'm ready to get back to real Star Wars. You know, enough with the politics, enough with the revolutions, enough with the dense world building. Get this fucking baby in front of me. Have him delighted by space travel and then have this guy with a mask protect him. That's all I want. That's my pivot.
0: You're breaking news to me. Do you think Pedro Pascal is learning this news from our podcast?
1: <laughs> He's like live from the from the Blast of Us press junket. It's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and Pedro, okay, you did that... amazing work on the third season of <laughs> Mandalorian.
0: OK, so I I, that is some news. I, can I check in with you about another thing? I, I wanted to start this a few weeks ago, but now all of a sudden it's, it's December. Can I take your avatar temperature? Because, Chris, I don't know if you know this. There's an avatar movie coming out in like a week, two weeks.
1: I'm starting That's not so to crazy. trust my own my own ability to stick to my plans. So, mm. like you my Avatar temperature is I'll go see Avatar relatively soon after it comes out. Maybe not like opening night, but I wouldn't be surprised to find myself there opening weekend. On okay. the other hand, I might not. You know, like I just wow. I just might not. And it's not anything against Big Jim Cameron who I love, but I don't know. It's like sometimes you get into December and you just get real cozy. The hookah comes out. You know, you just want to like lie among your piles of books, this get such, under a blanket. This
0: is, this is such a good podcast. <laughs> I just feel like people who tune into this podcast for the latest word on pop culture. Fire up the love,
1: Christmas tree and think about the real royal family.
0: <laughs> love hearing two 45-year-olds talk about all the stuff they're not going to see. Are you going to go... You went on and saw
1: Wakanda forever. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You're, you're out there on the front lines.
0: Thank you. And the answer has changed and it may surprise you. So I, first of all, don't tell me Strange World tanked because a couple kids had the sniffles. Disney can push the button and make a thing happen if they want to. This was a punchline, not just for us, but for many people. Like Avatar was the quietest, most successful movie of all time ever, right? Right. Like it, I, I almost can't believe it happened. It had no cultural footprint that I was aware of. Nobody talked about it. 3D didn't change anything. I don't see many young navi out at Halloween. Um, of course, it's it's dark. You know, it gets dark earlier on Halloween, so maybe but
1: presumably they would glow, right?
0: I'm like, oh, there's oh no, it's Mystique from the X Men. Um, did you say presumably they would glow? Do you do you know more about their iridescent?
1: Well, because you have to be able to see in the depths of water, right?
0: I, I don't even remember water being an important part avatar i just well
1: you're gonna have to get familiar with the way of water my friend
0: (laughs) so all of this is to say i was ready to do that bit and be like guys before you started talking about getting cozy i was going to be like i'm just not doing it i'm sorry there are other podcasts i'm not doing this one and then the most important day of my life and podcast listeners life last sunday when i took my children to see disney's strange world holy shit if you say
1: that one more time i'm fucking firing you
0: Uh, I, it's fine. I have an announcement to make in Brazil, and I've got a plane to catch. Um, there was a trailer for Way of Water,
1: and my children were hype AF. Did they know what it was?
0: Yes. And my older daughter was like, I want to see Avatar. And all I could remember was Stephen Lang in a mech skeleton, like just firing guns. Isn't yeah. So I was like, I don't like, it's think for you like, should.
1: Don't guys get like paralyzed and then they're like, but you can come back to like full, you can get back on the yeah. field if you wear this mech skeleton and jump into the Matrix here?
0: I believe so. I mostly want to protect her from Giovanni Ribisi. Like she just can't see a Ribisi film until she's just old enough to just really understand the context. But
1: <laughs> it's time to watch Boiler Room.
0: Exactly. That's the first one. Um, but I would anyway, just to say like I, I had no idea and even the younger one who is not not checking for any of this, thought it was real. Like was really into the trailer. So, Big Jim may know more than we do, and the Disney hype machine is in effect, and people are talking about it, and they're even writing the articles about the thing that I was joking that people didn't remember it. But guess what? They do. It's going to be a big hit. It's going to be a big hit. It's a great prediction, and you're going to see it, <laughs> and you're going to um, tell me about it.
1: In all seriousness, I did want to bounce one more thing off of you today. So mm-hmm. when uh, the Eiger counter went off the off on tilt. And we, you know, rushed to come talk about Bob Iger. I believe that was last Monday, right? Um, yes. It kind of overshadowed another bit of Hollywood news, which was that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, in conjunction with Redbird, which is like a venture capital, are starting a company called Equity Artists, which is essentially in the guise of United Artists, a bunch of creative-led. Studio efforts over the years, American Zoetrope, famously a, a big failure for Francis Ford Coppola, although it was his dream to run his own studio. There have been a bunch of attempts by the creative talent in Hollywood to try and upend the studio monopoly and the current, like, sort of paradigm of how movies get financed and released. Right. A few years ago, I think if people remember, one of the most interesting but sort of quietly quit sort of adventures was Steven Soderbergh, who was like, I think we can reimagine cinematic theatrical distribution. I think it was with Logan Lucky he was attempting to do that, right? And it didn't quite work out. And, you know, uh, the house always wins, it seems like, in Hollywood. But Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are going to make a take a shot at it. The first movie they're trying this with is their Amazon movie that's still untitled that's about Phil Knight and the, uh, the start of the Air Jordan sneaker. Right. The reason why I'm bringing this up is that I was watching inexplicably, I watched like a 40-minute Ben Affleck interview at uh, the New York Times Deal Book Conference. And first of all... Being
0: childless is wild. I just got to say, that's ben a crazy Affleck use of time.
1: has a neural link of pure caffeine and nicotine. Like, that guy yeah. is always on. But he was kind of going into what this value proposition of equity artists is. And the thing that he kept mentioning is something that I've also heard Matt Damon talk about in the past, which is what happened when the home video market dried up and why that's essentially why we don't get the rounders, the Michael Clayton's, the whatever's like the nineties entertaining dramas and comedies that we kind of grew up on and that we love and that we talk about all the time is that those movies weren't necessarily hits in the box office. They just had second lives on home video, whether it was DVD or VHS or whatever. And that uh, the participation in the profits from those secondary that secondary revenue stream, like the way that actors or directors or whoever producers could say, okay, well, I know I'm going to make my money back here. That was what kind of prompted people to take more chances to make more mm-hmm. interesting, kind of maybe more adult fare or whatever. And that what they're trying to do is reimagine the financial paradigm, I guess, of movie making, so that everybody from the big name star and the director to down to the below the line. Uh, craftspeople who work on the movies themselves, cinematographers, what have you, can also participate in the profits. Now, what happens since they're still, as far as I know, Matt Matt Damon and Ben Affleck have not reinvented DVDs. So I don't know where this quote unquote secondary stream. I think a lot of what they're going to be doing is taking their goods to market and trying to get the best price out of a bidding war of the different streaming services or or, uh, movie distribution companies that still exist. The reason why I do this very long-winded intro to ask you is, I know you, that there's.
0: Do you want me to join you in starting another paradigm-shifting production model? We
1: do it. It's the way of the water. We just release everything underwater. No, yes. I wanted to ask you because isn't isn't this going to be also a major storyline and idea when it comes to the WGA's negotiations coming, which are which are coming up soon? Which is like we don't have a... There's no residuals anymore. There's no long-standing way to profit from our work after the point of release. So we basically get this upfront payment from a Netflix, from an Amazon, from a Hulu or whatever. This thing goes up. And then no matter if it winds up doing Seinfeld and Friends numbers or Terrier's numbers, I get paid the same, right? And that, that, that going forward, one of the major kind of... Tension points in Hollywood and in the making of the movies and TV shows that we love are going to be whether or not we can figure out a way for people to get paid properly once their thing comes out.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I have thoughts up and down the line. Like it's it's interesting that you mention Seinfeld and Friends, because I think this is generally known, but it is worth saying the amount of money generated by those shows for people involved in them is staggering. But it's not just the amount of money. It's the opportunities to have made and to continue to make money, right? Because when they were on the air, they were made by a studio and a network paid the studio for the rights to make the show and people got their salaries and profit participation, et cetera, et cetera. Then when they made, you know, 100 episodes, they were sold into syndication. And those sales were huge. And then they aired not only new episodes... (laughs) And reruns on the original network, but then like twice at five PM on your local Fox affiliate or whatever. Uh-huh. And every time an episode aired, whether it was an original episode a or rerun, one in the morning, five PM, everyone involved got a check. Everyone involved got a check every time it aired. And then since then, the value of these shows that people love has only grown, and so they have been sold and resold, whether it's Netflix or Peacock or HBO Max, again and again and again. They these this is these are golden geese, and it and they just keep. Flocking, right? It's wild. It's remember
1: wild. when we had uh, Lori Metcalf on the pod? Yeah, and she broke down the like what it meant to be on Roseanne for us, yes. and essentially like first of all the schedule of working on it, but also like yeah, economically what it meant that she could do, which is essentially like I could go do Steppenwolf for <laughs> quarter of the year because of that.
0: Did you find it weird that she tipped us five hundred dollars each at the end of that podcast? <laughs> We've never talked about that publicly. I, de- I thought it was But I never classy. declared
1: that. So maybe we should have Kaya cut that because I don't want that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I, I just bring that up to say, like the degree to which all of those revenue streams are closed. Yeah. Not just like a couple of them. They're closed. If you sell a show to Netflix, thank you, thank you for the check, Netflix. That's it. Yeah. It's done. It's not going anywhere else. It's not going anywhere else. You know, and, and I don't mean if you sell Friends your previously existing show to Netflix to air on Netflix as a second window. I'm saying a Netflix original, like 1899 that we're about to talk about. That's it. And, you know, I, I know people love this. I'll, I'll, I'll say like, the show I made was on cable. So th- when it was on, you get an additional check when it airs. And then it reran like thrice. Mm-hmm. And now it's on freebie and it's on its second window. and And that's it. So residual checks, which were not, I'm not talking like you know uh, Jason Alexander level, but it's a nice thing for people in the industry sure. who have had much longer careers than I have. You know, you have a there's a little bit extra income at the end of it. So yes, that's all gone, and everything. People still get paid very well, but I, I, everything I, is tumbled down. I legitimately
1: to- don't know where Matt and Ben see what this extra like. You know, they're they're. I I think that what they're trying to do is the Blumhouse model, which is yeah, let's make movies. With your fee up front being smaller, but your participation in the success being bigger, which is like when Jason Blum goes to Ethan Hawke and says, "You do Black Phone for five hundred thousand dollars or whatever the scale is or whatever he winds up getting," but when that movie makes eighty million dollars, you make thirty. You know, like
0: I, I think though that's what's lurking behind this, and I haven't, you know, I haven't really delved into the paperwork. Ben and Ben and Matt sent it to me late last night, so I haven't I haven't had a lot of time. But. Well, it's funny because
1: Affleck CEO and uh, Damon is chief content officer. Oh,
0: great! <laughs> wow, I, that's actually how I would do it. But too, I think for the what it's position
1: of CFO is open there. If you want to go <laughs> for it,
0: I'm like, uh, who is it? Who, is it David Paymer? Who no, or Kevin Pollak? Who plays Dave's friend and Dave who comes to do the government's books?
1: Oh, it's Paymer. Yeah,
0: it's Paymer. That's me. Uh, great movie, by the way. I guess. The most interesting, like, the the very interesting thing that you referenced is that investing in a movie wasn't like investing in a restaurant. Like, people are always like, if you'd like, if you want to hang out with your friends, like, just, you know, maybe convert your basement. Don't open a restaurant, like, especially if you want your money back. It's just a, it's a, it's a good thing for the world, but it's an almost guaranteed money loser. And I feel like that's what entertainment broadly is now. Mm-hmm. It didn't used to be that way. And it isn't for everyone. I mean, that... Potentially negligent or criminally negligent guy who is making movies with Bruce Willis for like forty a year. Like there, there is still this shadow marketplace of like Wesley Snipes and Bruce Willis in Action Train, and you know right. and then they sell it all over the world. You can make money back that way, I guess, but the return on investment is not what it was. So attracting people to invest and then be invested in it is very different. I don't know. I, I actually have one last sort of. I, it's. This I don't know if this is a real concern or not, but we all want those movies to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, the types of movies that we loved, that these guys loved, that gave them a different sort of career because it wasn't always about first week boffo, whatever. It was just like, oh, I love those guys. Oh, look what I have in my life, look what I'm re-watching. It's a different relationship with talent too, when you when you engage with it that way. I don't know how many rounders scripts are lying around anymore. Like I there know always either. are some.
1: And this is something that I've been chatting with Sean and Amanda a little bit about this, like on and offline. But like, you do wonder whether that's just the bear, you know, and that there's a version of yes, there's a version of the bear where you cut like two or three of those episodes. And it's essentially Carmi's arc, you know, and it's that's a classic. We, We compared Jeremy Allen White to Dustin Hoffman before in terms of his look like that's a Dustin Hoffman movie from the 70s. You know,
0: the bear was a movie. Christore wrote it as a movie yeah. and it turned into a TV show. And I would say the same is true about many of our favorites over the last few years. There are things that we're going to talk about momentarily about Fleischman that I adore that I equate with cinema that I feel like are things that used to, I mean, I said it last week, right? That these are like, this show is what movies were in 1982. See, that's funny because I disagree with you. Oh, what? Well, what? I, I
1: I disagree with you that that's Kaya, turn the go- TikTok
0: camera on. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, Kai. Kaya. <laughs> What does that even mean?
0: (laughs) I've never known. Because
1: they're on camera the whole time. I never know what that means. I know. Um, uh, Shout out to Bill. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile for more details.
2: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or
0: use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada At participating McDonald's. Another
2: day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires
1: downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Should we just start talking about Fleischman? Sure. Uh, So four episodes have gone up and I just want to say that I find this to be the, the kind of show where I'm like, if they wanted to make this season 22 episodes, I would be fine with that. Yes. And I don't find it particularly like cinematically challenging or, I mean, I guess like the idea of this guy having a midlife crisis and there's a little bit of a mystery is a perfect two hour and 15 minute story. If you wanted to make it as such, you yes. probably wind up losing a lot of the Lizzie Kaplan and Adam Brody stuff or they become much more background characters in the, in the, Sort of shaking out of the story. And it becomes much more like this guy. He's dating, but he's also kind of concerned. And then he becomes very concerned. And then he's searching for his wife. But on the flip side of that, like in just in terms of like Toby Fleischman goes to New Jersey for the day, like that's an episode. And I'm like, that's satisfying. Like I would, I, if this was just like a long-running HBO show that was like five seasons long, I would be fine with that.
0: I would, too. I love the show. I think it's fantastic. I'll argue against myself to begin, which is to say that we didn't cover the third episode last week, but yeah. I thought that the the space given to and the intention paid to uh, the Rachel Fleischman story and the flash... It was essentially a long flashback of that. Their meet-cute and the early years of their relationship through postpartum depression and her success. You don't get that in a movie. And... No frankly, what's really struck me is you don't often get any of that in a TV show either. You know, I, I for me, the last lingering concern about the show was the version of Rachel Fleischman that uh, Claire Danes was playing in the first two episodes seemed, I mean, is severe, that's by choice, uh, but seemed set up to be a villain, you know, in less capable or considerate hands and seeing the arc of the character as a full person as a full woman and then also the time and attention paid to women who are you know dealing with very serious issues with um with with the birthing process with postpartum i was really struck by it and i also just have to say claire danes as an actor it reminds me of Remember that we we reference this a lot listeners sorry but like those halcyon days when we would just sit around and listen to Wu-Tang Clan and play Perfect Dark and Nintendo 64. And you'd have like little handguns. And then from across, you know, a 16-bit parapet, you'd see a flamethrower. and <laughs> would be like, I wonder what that does. That's Claire Danes on the show. It's so, so wild.
1: Wasn't there a whole thing on that game where you could set off a nuclear device? Yes. but then your cover your character would recover after a little while like you'd have radiation but then you'd have to like wait 45 seconds for it to go away I,
0: I never saw it but I believe that was the plot of the HBO maxi series Chernobyl I th- I think they they're culled from the same source material <laughs> are you calling it hBO maxi now no an hBO Ma- a maxi series like not a mini series oh
1: right of course oh, yeah. an
0: hBO Maxi ah
1: <laughs> so cute
0: um no uh I, I loved all that but Wait, but the bigger question about the cinema stuff. No, I look, it's a TV show. I, I don't mean to say otherwise, but I just feel like the, you were
1: saying some of its pleasures are cinematic in their conceits. Well, right?
0: yeah, I just feel like the, the attention paid to characters, their emotional life and the milieu and everything like it just still strikes me as it would have been adapted for the screen and it may have been good. You know, this isn't one of those examples of a book like like Pachinko or something that like you know, 20 years ago, Scott Rudin would have snapped up the rights and then sat on it for 20 years. Like, it, it needed to be a TV show type of thing. Right. I think Fleischman could have been a movie because of the, the, like, just the emotional language that it uses, the currency it uses, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I really, I just think that that's worth noting. But as a TV show, I'm really, I'm just really struck by it. I think that there's a large record, both on Grantland and on this podcast, that maybe the thing that, drives me the craziest is stuff like the late lamented, the slap, right? Which is just like, we're going to rip the bandaid off the real story of upper middle class people in big cities. And it's so unself-aware and so like lurid and gross. And like, there's this scene in this, in the fourth episode, when Toby Fleischman goes to visit Lizzie Kaplan's character in Jersey, every single thing about his arrival at that house is perfect. It's perfectly (laughs) staged the business with the children. Josh Radner, performance of a lifetime with like six lines of dialogue. The refrigerator door just opening. What She's like, I'm doing the water bottles. P- playing,
1: Do you aging- know how much
0: of my life is doing the water bottles, Chris? It's
1: like playing aging indie rock dad is like, this is his Jake LaMotta part.
0: All of them. There's yeah. the scene when the two of them lie back at the country club or whatever it is. And usually when you see actors have to go, quote, You know, live the way of the water, basically. You know that they've been living the way of keto for six months and like putting a trainer in the line item of their contract. These guys were like, fucking finally. (laughs) You know what? You know what? This, you know what I want? Like they went into set and they were like, what do you, I want this body to say one thing. And that thing is, I listen to Wilco. You know what I mean? Like it's just late period Wilco. It's just Jesus, et cetera, baby. Like let's go. So, No, it it gets those details, I think, so right. Try to look like a
1: ghost is born right here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In In the right light, or in the wrong light. And then we talked about it with Adam Brody. I just feel like all of the actors on the show seem to be like, thank God there's no ping pong balls. You know, like it's just, we're just hanging out and we just be here. And do you, I really do you feel like
1: that. it's an, an appropriate? So you're at episode. We're at episode four. Yeah. Uh, um. I think there are four. So we're really at the mid season uh, turn here. Do yeah. And he's not
0: in that much trouble yet. you Feel I know we said that like at the it's beginning. an
1: appropriate uh, episode count? Like I guess I. I mean, we haven't read the book, so we don't know where it's going. So we don't know whether it's going to feel like it's dragging or what. You know I, what? What it feels inevitable about it or not? But
0: yeah, I don't know what the sh- I don't. It, it, it's in a really good place, I guess. I want to say because. If this was truly a murder mystery or adopting the, the rhythms of a mystery, we would probably have more notes about this, uh-huh. about where we are with it. But the show does a very smart job of sort of continually raising the question, but then kind of punting the question and refocusing the question. And it, I think it, it ends up, the result of that is you saying things like you said, like, I wish this just went on forever. I also really appreciated that in the fourth episode, they chose a, a framing device. They chose a framing device of his twelve-step uh, process of you know
1: of getting over this this sort of realization that she's with somebody else. Yeah.
0: Yes, and in so telling that they changed the format of the show, and Lizzie Kaplan is still narrating it, which is a huge boon to the show. You know, there's the there's the title cards for each stage of his process, but also noteworthy that when he went into his old apartment, you know, he we see his nightmares basically mm-hmm. of 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 who's that actor that, that that's playing. He's
1: played Sam Rothberg in every everything he's ever been in. But I, yes. he, I yeah, I I can't remember his name
0: off the top God, of my head. He's the guy with the chin. He's great. Um but I, I, I like that the I like the, the yeah, I like the, the slightly formalist aesthetic tweaks that it's doing, but but mostly it's just just you know, it it, it it's in tune. It rings <laughs> true in terms of the emotional lives of people roughly our age, I think. And I I think that's pretty impressive. It shouldn't be impressive, honestly. It shouldn't be rare, but it feels rare.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, it's got a little bit of... You know, like some of the network, really well done network dramas that I'm sure like most people listening probably don't rock with. But like I used to talk about this one show with Juliette Littman a lot of the brothers and sisters, you know, where it's just like really good, well done family drama with some good actors. You know what I mean? And that's there's an element to Fleischman that isn't the Mm -hmm. where's where's Rachel part that I think would be sustainable. Uh, You bring up a good
0: can I just follow up on that? You're right. Do you remember the, the Herskovitz and Zwick shows? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and specifically, there was a show that I loved. Like one of the last network shows that I really broadcast shows that I really remember just being super into was Once and Again. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, which was, I think, probably best remembered, if at all, for Evan Rachel Wood's start of her career. But what was that show about? I don't know, just some people. A family.
1: Yeah. I mean, Parenthood kind of had that for a while, but Parenthood also was like, we will make you sob at the end of every episode. Right. Um, But yeah. And then I think that what they're doing, you mentioned that's smart is, you know, it's a to, to make this show work. Rachel has to be a mystery, but they are finding ways to get a Claire Danes on screen, but B, show her character a little bit. I, you know, you could argue not a, not enough, but it's always through Toby's POV. And then you also have the Lizzie Kaplan POV on top. You have the Libby sort of narration on top. But I agree with you that I thought it was, it was good that they, they were due a Rachel episode because I don't know if you could do five, six, seven episodes of just him being like, I can't believe she cheated on me. Where the fuck did she go? You know.
0: Yeah, and it's it's also interesting. I mean, you don't get Claire Danes to do it if it's just one thing, right? And and so I think right. that's worth noting too. But I, you know, the show is ultimately it's about it's about our guy Toby. But the moments in the episode after the birth of their first child, where she's just like, this is not this is shown. It's not told. But no, it's it's both. When she's like, they don't they didn't teach us how to do this to play with the baby to you know. These are real moments that many people have lived with and have experienced, whether for themselves or people in their family, loved ones. And that stuff doesn't often get on the screen because it's it's spiky, it's disagreeable. It runs counter to people's expectations. And I liked the way the show did that.
1: You know what also doesn't always get on screen? Mm. Time traveling steamship passengers. I don't you're, even know if they're time traveling. Yeah, Let's talk about you're, 1899.
0: You're bringing a little dark into this, but okay, let's do it.
1: Well, that's my thing. As you go into 1899, it comes to us uh, courtesy of Baron Bo Odar and Jante Frise. and forgive me if I didn't pronounce those names exactly right. And partners in work and love, and and partners in crisscrossing CR's brainstem and electrodes, because like it's just basically. You know, this massive tapestry of characters, multilingual international cast set in the titular 1899 year. They're on this ship from the old world to the new. It's a German run ship that is owned by a British shipping company, which will come in later in the season. Now, I've watched three of these. So Uh. I'm sure many people who are like done or further into it are like, you guys, what about this? But, you know, they are on a ship called the uh, Carabos. They... Are going from, and when I say they, I mean there's the ship captain and his first mate and the officers around him. There is a uh cl- like sort of tier of characters that are all supposed to be like upper class, upper crust, um, first class passengers. And then there is like in the what do they call that in the ship where steerage. In steerage, you've got like working class people mostly from Denmark. <laughs> For, for
0: people who have only seen Titanic, this is where the Irish folk dancing occurs. Exactly. But there is, there is no merriment.
1: They're not the dancing. And they're just giving birth and wondering when they're getting to New York. Uh, and so they are on their way to New York. And then um, what happens is the caribos gets a signal from what it was believed to be a long-lost ship, sister ship in the steam line called the Prometheus. And the captain, who's played by a familiar face from 1899...
0: No, from, from dark,
1: from dark decides we got to go check out the Prometheus. I know it's going to take us off course. They go and everything ensues. It's got, um, a little bit of a lost style structure where every episode begins with, uh, a different character waking up essentially from a dream. And then the rest of the episode lightly circles around that character storyline. So you find out why every one of these characters has found themselves on, on the caribos, but I, you, know, you and I were going into this with a ton of anticipation, and Dark is one of the most striking shows that I've seen in the last five, ten years, So, and one of my favorite mm-hmm. Netflix shows. What did you think of 1899 or what you've seen so far? You've seen two so far?
0: I've seen two, so we definitely will revisit once we know a little bit more. And let's do more, spoilers
1: it, for the first two, I guess, because it's hard okay. to talk about it without.
0: Yeah, I think mentioning Lost is the right thing. It's interesting. There was a period of time when... Uh, before the real rise of the streamers, which gave us unfettered access to international shows like 1899, when the real hot ticket item in Hollywood was formats, right? Was where The Office was the UK show, became the biggest comedy hit in America, and then was sold and resold all around the world. And I'm sure people are familiar with some of those versions, you know, it was in Saudi Arabia, it was in Germany. I mean, they were some became hits, some didn't. And maybe someone should write a book about why that was and all the different adaptations. That would be interesting. Free idea. Take it. This is a different iteration of that, where the the success and concept of broadly speaking of lost or a lost type show, bunch of wildly different characters put together in a in a unique, potentially supernatural situation. The backstories of the characters inform the genre elements and vice versa. And hanging over all of it is a mystery, not just for the character's c- circumstance, but of are these guys going to land the fucking plane? Or in this case, um, harbor the boat, I guess. That's a genre into in, uh, unto, like, unto itself. We talked about this and we talked about Dark, which I think is just like, I know this is a French saying with the ne plus ultra of time travel. Like, yeah. they did it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do more time travel, but if you do the time travel... Like I would imagine, people on Reddit will talk about time travel. You're like, yeah, but what if? Yeah, that dark darks that guy. Yeah, uh, it's the most Germanic in my broadly stereotypical uh, uh, understanding of it, uh, iteration of a of a sci-fi drama imaginable. So this is what these guys do. It, it's a it's a formula, and this show is very dark, not just in color palette, which it is, or in lack of humor, which it also is, but the same kind of s- creepy screaming score, the same portentous looks, and the same feeling of this shit is happening whether you like any of these people or not. There's a- we, we, we're, we have embarked, you know what I mean? And that is in that, it is slightly different than Dark ultimately because Dark did begin, not hinged, but not entirely unhinged with some family stuff. And this one is just like, we are, everything about this is a puzzle piece and i think that's very suited to netflix but it might be a barrier for entry for some
1: yeah i I've, I've been trying to articulate or put my finger on what it is that hasn't necessarily dampened my enthusiasm for the show but it makes me feel less enthusiastic about it than i did about dark and that may just be because dark was like in its own way a little miracle but the characters in dark at least in the first season which is still my favorite it only slowly dawns on them that this is happening to them.
2: Yes, And
1: before that, this is kind of like what happens in the first season of Stranger Things. They're just kids. You know, like they're just people going through their normal lives, unaware that something extraordinary is about to happen to them. And the characters on 1899, 1899 all seem to be aware that something extraordinary is happening. Yes. If that makes sense. So it's like you go into it and whereas in Dark, you're on the same footing as most of the main characters until, of course, like, I don't want to spoil Dark for people, but until, of course, older versions of them start fucking showing up and being like, we have a like a centuries-long battle between good and evil to get to. But in 1899, you're right. It's immediately, like, very somber. Every scene is very slow. Every scene is, like, we must, you know, It's very, very, very like kind of not stale, but serious. And all the characters know more than you do. All the characters are like, I have a secret, but you don't know it yet. But maybe you'll find out in episode five why I'm acting this way.
0: What's cool is that no one has ever used Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit to to, like connote otherworldly happenings. So that's 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 cool. You know, I just feel like. I really applaud the international aspect of the show, but I do feel like they should bring a Hollywood consultant, Hollywood fixer, maybe you, honestly, to set and just be like Baron Baby, Yanja. I don't know how to say your name, but this part, this has been done. Like we've used this song before. Maybe we could go in. A oh, the, with
1: White here. with White Rabbit.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like oh, <laughs> we get it. Um, yeah. Like my feeling about this is it's. So I'm only two episodes in. I feel very I feel fondness for the show already because I like the thing that they do. I think they just are so committed to the bit, the way that it's directed, the way that it's art directed, the production design, the actors they get it's a it, it's a house style now, mm-hmm. honestly, and I enjoy this because I enjoy it full stop, but I also know again, I am stereotyping them, and I apologize, but it's like a it, this is a dramatic attention to detail where I feel like they. Storyboard and block this, so it's not like they started episode one not knowing where they intended for it to oh, go. Yeah, there's it, no it,
1: we're gonna find it in the room. Yeah,
0: no. So there's a confidence going into it, which I think is is welcoming. I also think sometimes you have to consider the box that it served to you in, and Netflix is absolutely the right home for this show, just like it was for Dark. There's just something about both the what the service has always has not has always, but has grown to become and represent, but also the way people use it that like, yeah, there's eight of these and you just gobble them up like it's it's fine. I, I know this sounds like contrary to the way we often talk about TV, but I, I'm not sweating it. I, I'm You're right. enjoying some of the mystery. I'm enjoying some of the characters. I hope that not all of the characters' big secret is you think I'm Spanish, but I'm Portuguese, which in the era of the World Cup, <laughs> you thought you know, I was a priest, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a priest. Guess yeah. what? These racist dingbats think I'm Japanese, but I'm Chinese. Like, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Blow my mind.
1: You know, it, it's interesting. I was thinking about whether or not this would work, it's like, to use your words in another box. And I do think it's probably too full to the brim to keep everything. I don't think I could watch this on a Sunday and then watch another one on a Sunday. No, no. it's it's a real like I'm feeling pretty tired. I'm gonna watch like two or three of these. <laughs> Very difficult show to get up and go grab a pretzel from.
0: Well, yes. it's like this. I get, you get up Endless and you're like subtitles? this
1: Cantonese lady seems incredibly upset. <laughs>
0: Well, that's that's the other thing. It's like when, this, when the two Spanish guys are talking, I'm like, I could probably get a glass of water. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to brag, but I could probably figure it out maybe a little bit with the French as well. As a guy but, who
1: pretends to be a priest in his free spare time anyway, yeah. Yeah,
0: and a guy who <laughs> pretends to live in Denmark. So th- I'm cool with those plot lines. That's fine. Um, can I ask you, Chris, like if you found yourself living in this era in 1899 and for whatever reason, you had a passion for the sea, which you mm-hmm. do actually, um, I believe you find it uh, dope. What role on the boat do you think you would be best suited for? What job, not role, not like person swanning about a stateroom. Like if you went, if this was your job,
1: I would not, definitely not want to shovel coal. Uh, I think you know, on on a lot of naval dramas, one of my favorite jobs seems to be the guy who stands in between the captain and yes. the dude who's steering. And the captain yes. goes all ahead full, and then the other guy goes all ahead full, <laughs> and that's so the, all, his, all he has to do is just repeat the captain. And then every the once in a man. while, we'll have to be like, you know, challenge the captain's authority on a moral principle at some point, you know. But more than more or less, your job is to repeat what he said.
0: You're a spliff star in this. Analogy, that's right. I'm right? the hype man. So in 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 um, 1899. What about you? that role is played by a guy who looks like former NBC head Warren Littlefield, which is different than Teutonic Adam Driver, who is also standing in all of those scenes. Yes. But so far has contributed very little in terms of character. I thought, thank you for asking me. I thought about this. And I was like, what's something that feels, may surprise, be surprising to you, but feels comfortable, like something I've done before? And the answer is shoveling coal, because I was a blogger for a number right. of years. And... They're the same job. I I think it's essentially the same job. Someone upstairs is like, turn around. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm writing about movies now. Fine.
1: Um, Fine. Do you want to discuss briefly, I guess, what was your reaction when you got to the end of episode two? And there is a quick shot of a wall of televisions that obviously suggests a technology that was not invented in uh, the turn of the century turn of the 20th century so what was your like were you kind of expecting that that sort of side door
0: i I was patting myself on the back because the episode prior to that ends with the totally unnecessary and gratuitous murder of a young girl Mm. so i was like good job andy you're not quitting the show because you have to podcast about it oh there's more uh and i was like this is where the architect from the matrix lives that was my that was my takeaway no I mean th- th- it's a it's an interesting question actually because is this show gonna blow my mind you know what I mean like I I I don't know that can it, your know mind know still things, be blown yeah dark dark did blow my mind because time travel is a uh we're all obsessed with it on some level or another depending even we all, maybe we like it in different flavors or types of stories but dark really was thrilling in the way it broke my brain, but also kind of felt like you were watching a TED Talk from a mathematician, like someone right. who had thought it all the way through for you. And that was just really juicy and compelling, even when it sort of leapt the bounds of of storytelling reason. But this one, I'm like, this is, does feel a little bit like greatest hits. And it's like there's some mysterious language and tattoos and bugs and weird kids whose eyes snap open. And then also TV's it sounds like I don't like the show, but I'm enjoying it. I uh, So far, though, am, it, I, I wonder if it's going to blow my mind or if I'm just going to be like, oh, that was a fun little puzzle.
1: We'll find out. I, I hope That's we keep okay talking too, about it. by the way. So here's our programming slate yeah. for the next couple of episodes. So on Monday, I think what we'll do is do maybe the beginning of Slow Horses Season 2 along with White Lotus. Live from, Bra- Live from Brazil? yes for, live from the de- the dial of Destiny. and then Thursday we have a special episode you can probably guess it's going to be our year uh year in TV 2022 we'll be recording that on Thursday and putting it up later on Thursday and obviously white Lotus then concludes the following uh Sunday and then we'll hit, we'll hit it on Monday so a lot of fun stuff coming up on the
0: watch those year-end pods are very long like maybe we should say like maybe it'll go up mon- Friday like I, I don't want to kind have to edit. Well, Four hours that would then require of, us to yeah.
1: record another podcast on Thursday. Oh,
0: right, because right, FanDuel needs the content, right? So we gotta.
1: FanDuel does not sponsor this
0: show. They don't. No, you Aww. should listen. We have a lot of a bunch of wonderful sponsors, guys. Guys, meaning you, listeners. Chris told me he listens to the Watch. It was very sweet. Were we in your Spotify Wrapped? Uh
1: no, we were not. My Spotify <laughs> Wrapped was completely poisoned by my wife's listening habits.
0: Yeah, uh, it's one of the most
1: anticlimactic it. days of my year. It's just because, so, okay, did I? do you really think I listened to 7,000 minutes of Taylor Swift's Midnights? No.
0: Do you? <laughs> well, no. Do you? Yeah, don't ever ask someone with children to share their Spotify. I mean, guys, are the songs in the Lego Movie too surprisingly good? Yes. But you don't need some sort of algorithmic representation on Instagram to know that. Okay, it's fine.
1: Uh, Thank you to Kaya for producing us. uh, And thank you to Andy for for appearing today. It was big of you.
0: I almost did it in my native Portuguese because I live here now. (laughs) Also, I'm a priest.
1: Talk to you on Monday. (laughs)